Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In today's episode of the podcast, I've got a very special guest, Jeanette Linfoot. So Jeanette's been in business for over 25 years in the corporate world. She's now got a portfolio of businesses of her own. And one of those businesses is property. She's a member of the Progressive VIP program. She's currently been mentored by Robin Mark. And she's joining us today to talk a little bit about her journey. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Kevin. It's fabulous to be here. So for our guests on the podcast that um, want, want to know how Jeanette got to where she is today. So could you tell us a little bit about um, the corporate life, what you were doing before you came to Progressive and then um, how you found us? Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, you can probably tell from my dulcet tones, I am a northerner. So I'm a Mancunian um, originally. So way back when I um, studied an economics degree. And really, in terms of sort of my first foray into proper a proper job, I was a government economist down in Whitehall. And then after a couple of years, I jumped into the travel business, essentially, after that, and worked for some really uh, brands that you'll have heard of, Thomas Cook, Tui, First Choice, um, and really sort of made my way up through the corporate world within travel and tourism to becoming MD of the emerging markets for Tui. So I bought, ran, sold businesses in Russia, China, India, all over the world. Um, and after that, I then moved to become CEO of the travel division for Saga, which had four businesses that I was in charge of. So that sort of is a quick canter through 25 years <laughs> of corporate life. But during that team, you know, uh, worked for listed businesses that were sort of on the footsie. Um, right. So quite a very different environment. Um, and I decided to make a change career wise, uh, probably just over two and a half years ago now. And I thought, actually, what do I want for myself now? And it was more around having a portfolio of businesses, yeah. one of which um, is property. So at that point, when I was deciding sort of which direction to go, really, I came across Progressive, which was really from my partner, Chris Buzzatil, who um, sort of had done some research and came, you know, went to, um, I think he went to an event down in London, met you guys at Progressive and thought, oh, actually, yeah, these guys know what they're talking about. Mm. So from that, we then, um, probably like a lot of people, ended up going to a multiple streams of property income event. Yeah. And then it's kind of gone from there, really. So, um, yeah, really exciting last couple of years, to be honest. So you've done some of the trainings at Progressive, obviously. What what have you done? So what, what did you decide to like focus on in property in terms of your education? Uh, well, we did Masopi, as I said, and then pr at that event, we, you know, we signed up for the uh, masterclass, um, yeah. which was a great foundation, I would say. So anyone that's not exactly sure which direction they want to go in in property, um, it's a brilliant way to, to sort of get that overview and get a sense of what the options are. Yeah. So we did that. Um, we had dabbled in, pro in property a couple of years before, but no nothing serious. Um, and really through that process, um, and it was Anne Halton and Peter Jones, actually, we did the training with, um, and that would have been back in, oh gosh, 2000 and, what were we in now? 2019, that would have been. Right. Um, and, and really from that, it showed us the way in terms of what was going to be the right strategy for us. 
So we've focused on buy to let's, buy refurbish refinance model. Uh, we invest in Manchester, which is my hometown, even though we live in London. Yeah. Um, and at that, we, we really thought, you know, if we're going to do this and do this properly, um, and I'm a big believer in, you know, if you're going to focus on something, don't just dabble. Yeah. You know, I've always ran big businesses. Um, so we decided to do it properly, we needed an ongoing support, really. And so we signed up for VIP, but just right. went straight in with Rob and Mark right. um, because we knew we wanted to build a very big property business. Um, and therefore, for us to do that, we needed probably would help from having right. the mentorship and the support. Okay, and you're still on the VIP program at the moment? Yes, we are, which yeah. is fantastic. So we're loving it, actually. Yeah, it's so really cool. you've been in business, obviously, for 20 plus years. Yep. Um, you've been you've got to like really high in corporate world. Mm-hmm. You've got lots of other businesses why did you feel that with your business experience, a lot of people I speak to, they go, well, you're just going to buy a house. You want to buy a single let house and do it up. You're going to buy a house. Why did you feel that you needed the support? Um, what, is the, what have you got out of the support that's really helped you as well? I mean, it's just so much, to be honest, Kevin, because there's, there's the, the sort of the mechanics, the technical um, aspect of buying property, refurbishing it, and, and sort of approaching it in the right way. Yeah. Uh, in particular, I think on optimizing your cash position and, and how you can be quite clever with recycling your cash and through the refinancing. Mm. Uh, whereas, you know, when we'd done bits and bobs in property before, we didn't know any of that. So, you know, we did a probably more traditional right. approach, bought a house, did it up, didn't know anything about offsetting even the refurbishment costs or anything like that. So, we probably cost ourselves, well, we did, we cost ourselves a lot of money with hindsight. Mm. So one was sort of the knowing the best way to do it. And uh, so that, that was sort of a key aspect. I think the second part is around the accountability as well. Yeah. Um, and knowing that if you've invested in your education, I'm a big fan of investing in education, um, but you've invested in in a significant mentorship program. You want to make sure that you're getting the most you can value. out of that. You want to get the value because it's, it's an investment at the end of the day. But also you want to make sure that you're continuing to progress. Yeah. Um, and that accountability. And I, I mean, I do a lot of my, one of my businesses is a mentoring business, actually, as well. So with my mentees, I know it's this great combination between almost support, encouragement, technical expertise and, and that you're a knowledge that you're giving your mentee. But it's also that push and sometimes you do need to kick up the bum um, yeah. as well. So you need a combination of a bit of a, a cuddle and a love at the same time as, as mm. sort of sometimes you just need someone to say, come on, you know, you're not really doing what you should be doing here. And I don't think you get that necessarily just from your own network. Sometimes right. people are too close to you. So. The deals you did before um, you found Progressive, yep. what sort of deals had you done? What so? so, well, one of the, I was thinking about this, actually. I'd almost forgotten about this particular project, but the, one of the pro- projects I did was in Peterborough, actually, way back when. So this would have been, it was in Stanford. This would have been 2004 when I was at Thomas Cook. Uh, right. So I used to work for Thomas Cook. And I was with a previous partner, actually, which all ended horribly, so we won't go into too much detail there. But essentially bought a house in Stanford to do up, um, trying to give my other half a bit of a something to do with himself, if you like, at the time. And I was working in a full-time job. But that particular property, when my relationship fell apart, I was left with a property with, you know, no hot water, you know, floorboards ripped out uh, and kind of living in it and trying to sort of deal with that situation myself. 
But because I was emotionally attached to it, even though it was supposedly a business venture, you know, I spent too much on the refurb. I'll put nice carpet, you know, two nice carpets in. And, you know, yes, eventually I, I sold the property and I did make a profit. But I did it all wrong because I was too emotionally attached. Yeah. So that's just one example, really. Um, so, yeah, don't do that, anyone that's listening. Yeah, one of the key things <laughs> is is we, we very fundamental is it's not your home. It needs to be clean, tidy, no damp, yeah. um, a family home for someone, but not buying gold-plated taps yeah. and doing stuff like you... Well, not that you put gold-plated taps in your own home, <laughs> but doing stuff that oh, is your taste. You've got to do stuff that's more... The, the market taste rather than your personal taste. 100%. Um, so that was like quite a few mistakes. <laughs> you got, you still came out of it okay. Yeah. And that's interesting about property because even though you made mistakes, you still made some money. Yeah. yeah. But imagine if you don't make the mistakes, you make a bit more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Deals at the moment. So you are you actively investing right now in Manchester? Is this stuff you're looking at at the moment? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we chose to invest in Manchester. So we live in London. Yeah. Um, and we knew when we started with our property journey, having done the education and thinking, well, actually, where do we start? Um, so we've got aspirations to do bigger, you know, commercial conversions, all sorts of HR, all sorts of other things longer term down the line. But we wanted to get the foundations right which is why we said, okay, we'll do the buy, do a buy-to-let, buy-refurbish, refinance. And down where we live in, just out in, in Kingston, you know, I mean, you can't, you yeah. can't get a two-bed house for less, so that's a complete wreck for less than 700 grand. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah. So we thought, well, where do we invest? Um, and we, we kind of came with two choices, Manchester, which was my hometown, or Swansea, where Chris is from. Uh, and we went for Manchester because uh, you can still have, you have an entry point. Yeah, which just is... be careful. There's people in Swansea listening. <laughs> Swansea is still a very great place. Uh, still a great place to invest, and that might be further down the line. But you have to focus, don't you? You yeah. can't do everything straight away. Um, so yeah, so we we um, you can have a, a good entry point in Manchester in terms of the you know the the original purchase price. Yeah. It's a great city in terms of level of investment. There's a high rental demand. I mean, it's not all of Manchester. Clearly, our gold mine area is quite specific. It's around the area of Eccles and Salford. Yeah. Um, and so the stuff that we're doing, yeah, you know, it's it's typical two, three bed terrace or semi-detached houses, um, you know, by refurbished, refinance. We've got the team on the ground, which is really important. I think yeah. we might talk about that. Uh, and it allows us to, you know, continue to grow that portfolio get the passive income from it, yeah. um, have the team on the ground that's managing the refurbs, that's dealing with the letting side of things for mm. us. Um, and we focus our effort. I tend to focus most of my personal time more on the, you know, the overall strategy, the business plan, the finance, the investor side of things. Yeah. Chris really likes doing the, more of the deal sourcing. He's great with the agents negotiating the terms. He does that. Um, but then we hand it over essentially. Yeah. To, to the team so, so yeah so we're still very we're very active in, in Manchester yeah. so when you're living obviously in Kingston there'll be people listening that are thinking can I do property number one in their own area yeah. yes but certain strategies so the key bit here is you said you wanted to focus on buy refurbish refinance yes. as the strategy so then that's a northern strategy yes however stuff does still work in Kingston but different types of stuff like Absolutely. rent to rents or deal packaging or yeah. something that's not buy refurbish refinance because the yields are too low so then if somebody's listening in they may be in the south and they're thinking i want to do buy refurbish refinance mm. and i want to do it or i know i need to do it in a northern town doesn't have to be manchester yeah, leeds yeah. sheffield wherever it may be um how how have you 
how would you advise them to go about doing it? Or how did you, let's talk about who you, how did you build your team, um, find the people that you could trust? And when you say your team, who's your team? <laughs> no, good question. Well, I think the first thing is you need to do a bit of research on your area. Um, yeah. And you can do some of that, you know, just sort of desktop research, understand what the stats are looking like and, and et cetera, you know, the demographics, the re- you know, what's the rental market. So you can do quite a lot of that. For, for me, it was different because I know Manchester quite well anyway, because yeah. I, bo- I was brought up there, you know, so and I've still got all my family there. But once you've kind of pinned down your area, I think I personally believe if you're going to be serious about this and investing hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds in your property business, I think you do need to sort of have spent a bit of time on the ground. You know, I, I, I would recommend that, even though the the end game is to not be there all the time. Yeah. I think it's worthwhile walking the streets and, and just kind of, you know, getting a feel for it. So once you've done that, for me, it was very much around um, identifying who the key people were on, on the, that we needed on the team. And part of that, I think if you're in business with a partner, and it could be a life partner or a business partner, you almost need to be clear about what skills you bring to the game as well, yeah. first of all, you know, because you might be, you might have spent years in the construction industry, for example, and be quite good on that side of things. Um, that wasn't the case for Chris and I. We struggled to change a plug, right? Both of us. So <laughs> we, we, that's not our bag. What's a plug? <laughs> exactly. So I think the first thing was us being very clear around what skills we both had and then yeah. saying, okay, so through the education, this is the shape of the team you need. You need a, someone that's going to be managing the, the refurbs for you. Yeah. You need a good lettings agent. You need a great broker. You know, you need a fantastic tax accountant that yeah. knows property. <clears throat> Um, you need to build the relationships with the agents, you know, so you almost start scoping out who the who should be on the team. Yeah. And then I think it's a case of actually, you know, sourcing those different people. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we had some recommendations as well from other people, which yeah. is great. But I would always say the fit has to be right for you as yeah. well. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that's how it's worked out for us. I mean, our, our, our building partner, I mean, we do think of him as a partner. He's not an equity partner in the business, but he's very much a partnership. He's a key part of our team. Yeah. We speak to him regularly, but we let him get on with, mm. with the job in hand. Yeah. We're not sitting on his shoulder every two minutes. Um, but, you know, those relationships, I think, spend the time and the effort investing up front to get yeah. that set up. Because if you go running out the blocks too fast yeah. and you've not got that in place... I think then it can be more difficult and you probably make a few more mistakes along the way. Some people listening might be worried about maybe jumping in with somebody too quickly and picking the wrong letting agent or the wrong yeah. builder. Um, or maybe there's a procrastinator sitting in going, I don't know how to choose the right one. So they end up choosing nobody. Yeah. So did, did every person you pick work out? Was there any that you no longer work with? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say try a few, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't, maybe more for the ladies, you don't buy the first pair of shoes you try on necessarily. So it's kind of, the I do. <laughs> for guys, you may do, but from a female perspective, you generally don't. So you do want to try and, you know, test a couple out. So yeah. with lettings agents, you know, you might say, okay, I've got some properties in the portfolio that are going to be rented out. I'll, I'll rent one or a couple out with that agent and one with that, with that agent. Yeah. So I can compare and contrast. Um, and then you might end up putting most of your business with one after you've tested, tested it. Or you might still say, no, actually, I quite like to diversify mm. and just have that protection of having a couple. So that's what I think, test and learn. Mm. Um, we've had 
No, we've been quite lucky, I would say. We've not had too many um, relationships that haven't worked out. But what I would say is one example for us was when we were working with our broker, because not all brokers are necessarily the same. Yeah. Not all tax accountants mm. are definitely not the same. So we've made changes in both of those areas since yeah. we first started. Um, and we're really happy with what we've got now. But you only know what you know. So you do have to test and learn a little yeah. bit, I would say. Um when you're doing buy, refurbish, refinance, do you typically sort of, sort, what sort of price are you buying at? Um, when you do the refinance, are you getting all your money out? What typically are you leaving in? Yeah. Um, just typical deals? Yeah, um, it varies. It, it, yeah. I mean, it does vary quite significantly. But I would say roughly in terms of purchase price, circa sort of between 90 and 120 is yeah. is the ballpark where we are, depending on the size of property and the location, of course, yeah. and also the extent of, of work that's needed and the situation of the vendor, right? Um, but that sort of sweet spot is is kind of where we are. There are cheaper parts of Manchester yeah. to buy in, to be honest. But for us, and again, for anyone that's sort of thinking about what's going to be right for your own journey, I would definitely say spend a bit of time in terms of what what are you trying to get out of it? For some people, the cash flow is the most important thing. They're trying yeah. to get out of a job or replace an income. Uh, for other people, that's not such a priority. They, they want the equity growth. Yeah. Uh, the reality was for Chris and I, we wanted a bit of both, actually. We wanted... We didn't. We weren't looking to replace an income, so we yeah. could be a bit more relaxed on the cash flow side. But we wanted everything to be cash flow positive from day one and yeah. being rented out, of course. But we also wanted to buy in a slightly, slightly better area than some parts of Manchester because we wanted the equity growth over time. Yeah. So that's why we chose, you know, Eccles, Salford around there. There's a lot of, of really um, cool things happening in that part of town. Could we buy below 90,000 in other parts of Manchester? Yes, we could. But it, that doesn't fit with what we're trying yeah. to achieve. So so that's a sort of um, level of entry point. Uh, refurbs, again, you know, the cost can vary quite significantly. I would say it's it's quite difficult to get all your all of your money out. Yeah. I think maybe if you were buying in different areas, but mm. where we buy, that's quite challenging. I think the reason I asked that question because there's a, this this false um, con- pretense maybe around the country that you can get buy refurbish refinance pull all your money out, but the reality is that in most areas you leave some money in. Yeah, but you're not leaving twenty five percent in. No. No, That's no, no. the key bit. So yeah, yeah in, 10, 15 grand, you know, yeah. sometimes up to 20 grand if it's yeah. a bigger property. And we're fine with that because for us, because we're still recycling the cash quite well, mm. you know, I'm still going to get that money out in two, three years. Yeah. I don't need it out on day one. Mm. Um, That's the key bit is the, and one of the fundamentals of what we teach at the masterclass mm. is about return on capital employed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so how, so for anyone listening, R-O-C-E, return on capital employed, or we our ROCI, Return on Capital Invested, is how quickly the money that you leave in, how quickly can you get it back through rental income? So your monthly profit times 12 months will give you your yearly income. Divide that into the amount of money you've left in, and that gives you your return on capital employed percentage. And if you get your money out in two to three years, in two years, your return on capital employed is 50%. In three years, it's 33.33%. So four years, 25%. So you can work out how many years it'll take you to get your money back out. And typically, 20% plus is good. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah, 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 so. absolutely. And I think that's, that is really important because if you start off setting yourself on realistic expectations, I mean, it's true in anything in business, in life, isn't yeah. it? You know, that 
you're probably going to be disappointed mm. and you, you're setting yourself up, you know, with, to, fail. to fail really. Mm. And I mean, it's never failure because you're going to learn. Yeah. But if you are so, if you are so tightly budgeted that you have to get every single penny out, mm. well then, you know, you might do one and then you'll probably get disheartened. Mm. And if you're trying to build a sustainable business or, or yeah. even just, you know, a, a sort of small to mid-sized portfolio that's mm. there as a nest egg, yeah. much better to plan a realistic yeah. assumption, I think. And, and then if you do better than that, great, happy days. And that's the key bit about having a mentor is people go, you don't need mentoring. You can you can um, learn everything on Google and stuff. We'll come mm. to that in a minute. But mm. if if you are sitting listening at home and you're thinking, oh, well, I can't do property then because... I would need to get all my money out or I only have enough of one deal. It's where you talk, we talk at Progressive about the 70, 20, 10. So your 70 would be buy, refurbish, refinance. And your 20 would be something like deal packaging or rent to rent, where you created the cash flow, the bit that you've got left in, you package two or three deals to get the equivalent back. So let's say you leave 15 grand in, you package three deals at five grand each is your 15 grand. Or you do rent to rent and you get 500 to a thousand pound a month cash flow to get your 15 grand back. So the 70 and the 20 balances out to make sure that you're getting your money back out quickly. Mm. So there's other things you can do. Um, so on, on the stuff that you know, obviously we touched on earlier about the business yeah. and things, there will yeah. be people listening thinking, this is great for you because um, you clearly had millions to get started. I mean, she worked in corporate like she was in the top level. She was FTSE, whatever she called it, 100s, 500s. She was. She had millions of pounds to do this. It's easy for Jeanette. Um, what was the reality? Well, the reality is that oh, I didn't have millions. Um, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That, that's that's where that's where the objective is, obviously, to have you know complete financial freedom over time and what have you. But no, the reality. I think the reality is that anyone can get going because it, yeah. it doesn't have to. There's lots of different strategies. Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm talking about the strategy we chose because of our specific situation and our particular stage in life as well. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm no spring chicken, and Chris is less of a spring chicken, so we. Have have had the chance to have you know jobs where we have been fortunate to be well remunerated but what I would say is anyone can start with Mm. you can start with no money down I mean you teach that incredibly Mm. well Kevin the different strategies but you you just have to think about what's right for your own circumstances Um, and also you know I think the other thing I would say is you never know who the people what situations the people around you so does it have to be your own money? No, it doesn't. You know, you might and you know might have Auntie Mabel or you know your parents that have got some money sitting in the bank. And if they've got money sitting in the bank, I mean the interest rate is 0.1% now, yeah. right? Base rate. So it's a problem. So you never know when you have a conversation with someone if they've got money that's sitting there, it's actually going backwards in value, yeah. and you can provide an opportunity for them, you know, if they lend you that money and you agree whatever interest you're going to pay them and um, actually it's great for you because you get started in property it's brilliant for them because they're going to get six eight times more than they're going to get in the bank everyone wins mm. so it doesn't always have to be your own money um it, there's lots of different ways to get started so no and you know i mean at the end of the day i'm just a working class girl from stretford trust me i, I grew up in a very <laughs> normal household so i certainly wasn't born with a silver spoon in my my mouth <laughs> so, so what's the um What's the plan going forward in terms of the growth of your, your of your property business yeah. initially? Let's look at that. So. Yeah. So so when we when we decided to jump in with Rob and Mark in particular, mm. I would say that that 
helped us see the size of the opportunity available. Let me put it that way. So at that point, we revised our business plan quite significantly because when before we actually sort of came and got educated and part of the VIP, we were sort of thinking, well, it'd be quite nice to have, you know, maybe 20-ish properties, just a bit of a nest egg, and that'll be quite nice. But then we thought, well, we're investing all this money. We can see the potential. So for us, we're very clear our plan over the next five years is to build a property business, which is worth 15 million quid in terms, 15, one five um, yeah. plus in terms of the property value. Um, you know, and obviously the passive income coming off that in terms of net rental income will be quite significant. Now, for us to achieve that in Manchester, that'll be 80 plus properties yeah. of the type that we're doing now. But I think that is going to evolve as well. And it already is evolving because we're now, you know, we're looking at HMOs as well, yeah. which is a sort of higher cash flow, different sort of financial uh, returns, but also more upfront, et cetera, leave more in. Yeah. Um, so you, I think you start with a plan, a strategy, and then it might evolve. So the 15 million is still clear for us. Absolutely. Yeah. The shape of it might be slightly different and yeah. it will probably be a combination of the buy to let stuff we're doing now. That's going to be our core HMOs, but then we're also doing some deal packaging as well now uh, yep. for people that have approached us. So it's amazing how once you get going, you, it, it does evolve. Opportunities come. They do. Mm. And, and you never know, just from an interesting conversation, uh, mm. what how that might trigger something. It's not a case of flip-flopping from one to the other. You have to be careful not to do that. Yeah. But I think an evolution of a strategy mm. without walking mm. away from your core is 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 a healthy thing to do. So it's a 70, 20, 10, isn't it really? And applying that. So I meet a lot of people at events and things that say, um, I want to have a 15 million pound portfolio. And there'll be people listening that goes, oh, I want one of those. Mm. And when I started in property in 2003, I said I wanted to have a huge portfolio and have a lot of money. And 10 years passed by and I built a debt. Mm. So uh, it's great having that long-term vision. But you touched on something that's really important, I think, for our audience is, your goal is not a 15 million pound, your, your long-term goal is a 15 million pound portfolio. Yep. But your, I guess your plan and your action steps are completely different. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how, if someone's listening in thinking I'm at the beginning of my journey, oh, I'd love to have a 15 million pound portfolio. Mm. That's the dream bit yep. and the, the future plan bit. Yeah. What would you say they need to start with? What's the, the initial steps, the, and then the regular daily steps? Yeah. I mean, I think the initial steps, and people don't tend to talk a lot about this, Kevin, but I think the setup phase is really important. It's not, it, it's a bit of the grunt work, to be honest, yeah. but it's, you know, you need to be buying, well, nine times out of 10, you need to be buying property under a limited company, for example. Well, yeah. So you've got to get a limited company set up. All right. So you need an email address. You need some business cards. You know, you, you need to, you might need to refinance an existing property to get some equity or have a conversation with, you know, your lovely grandparents that might be able to put some money into the business for you so there's a lot of setup stuff mm. and that the research spending the time on the ground building those relationships with the estate agents is really key yep. building your power team and all of this stuff you need to do really ideally before you go full-on head mm. in so that's that is often I think underplayed the importance of that and that doesn't always feel like you're making progress at that mm. stage but you absolutely are because that's foundations um, so that's the first thing. And then after that, I would just say one deal at a time. Yeah. You know, just, just start with one. one. Yeah, you can have your big goal up there. And that's mm. great because you want to have a direction you're heading in. But it's really the day-to-day stuff, one deal at a time. Yeah. And, and, um, and also, I think you could go out and buy 10 houses if you've got the funds to do it. 
straight away off the, off the hoof, right? But you really, I would recommend you, you need to have gone through a full cycle with, yeah. with one and then the next one because Absolutely. you learn so much. And it's brilliant having mentors and I'm a massive advocate. It's great having the education, but you do, every situation is different. Every deal yeah. is different. And you, even with that support, you will come across things that you think, mm, okay, well, that went well. So I'll do the more of that or mm, that wasn't so good. Or I'll do yeah. it different next time. So I think to go through a full cycle a couple mm. of times is great before you kind of go. Yeah, also, you big. buy 10 houses and you got one trusted builder. Yeah. Now you got nine empty <laughs> houses yeah. while you're waiting for them to finish the first refurb. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about that plan is key. Yeah. Is you've got to turn your dream into a plan mm. and then take daily steps. And I always say to people, like, they read a book, they, they watch a podcast and they get all these notes down and then they do 20 things tomorrow and then 15 the next day and then 10 the next day five the following day and then they quit. Yep. But, but you touched on something I, t- I really believe in is the one thing per day. Yeah. Just do something. Just yeah. one step at a time, one action a day, one deal a day. Yeah. And you, you start to build your business. Mm. So uh, other businesses. So you yeah. mentioned properties. You've got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so when you say I'm, I've got like a portfolio of businesses yeah. or I'm interested in other businesses. Yeah. So what sort of stuff? Okay, so... And, and I guess, are they related to property or are they completely separate? Uh, one is separate. Well, are they related to property? One is separate, and I'll talk through, the, through what they are and you'll probably see what I mean. But, yeah. but there's adjacent skills and experience that I think transfer across business, different business sectors anyway. Um, and sometimes people don't always realise that. In particular, you know, if you're going to start out in property and you might be doing a job in something that's totally unrelated, you might think, oh my God, I've got no skills here for property. Whereas actually, if you step back, you have got lots of transferable skills. So I think um, that's maybe a a different point. But in terms of the businesses that I've got, so I have a board advisory business, which is focused on mergers and acquisitions. And this is kind of an extension of my corporate life, if you like. So I used to buy a lot of businesses in China, India, travel businesses in the space I was in, and either buy, buy and run them or have people that ran them for me. Um, so I've done a lot of mergers and acquisitions over the years. So what I now do is if I have um, a private equity client, so that a private equity company will have a fund essentially to invest in businesses, and they will typically buy businesses in different sectors to hold them for a period of time and then ultimately to sell them on and make some money. So that's sort of the world of private equity. So I work with a lot of private equity clients that have been interested in the travel and hospitality space in particular, where I've spent most of my career. So I will work with them on the deal. I'll advise them on the deal. I'll do all the due diligence with them. I'll say, you know, is this business a good business? What should they pay for it? What does the forward trajectory look like, you know? And then um, depending on that deal, once it's over the line, I will sometimes take a a position afterwards. So that could be a chair position or a non-exec director position. So I continue to support the business, but I don't run the business. So that's different. So that's that's one piece of work that I, one one of my businesses, board advisory. The second uh, business is mentoring. So I I also mentor um, quite a range of clients. And, And this is where there is some adjacency because some of my mentees Whilst they haven't necessarily come to me as an expert in property, Mm. I'm giving them more general um, mentorship in business or career or personal development. Some of those people are also interested in getting into property. So they get a double whammy, really, from me because they got all my business experience for all those years. Plus, they get the insight that I've got on property and I'm still learning as well. 
but you know of course being mentored by Rob and Mark having people like you that I you know I can call on to say well what do you think about this is also beneficial for them so it's not connected to property but it kind of is that yeah. business um and then I also I'm also set on a board for a really interesting organization called the Founders Factory and the Founders Factory was set up by Brent Hoberman Brent Hoberman was the founder of lastminute.com right um, so anyway, he set up this, he, he made his millions, uh, when he sold last minute way back when, but he set up this organization called the Founders Factory. And what it does, it brings corporates together with entrepreneurial startups. Okay. So it's a really fascinating, um, kind of organization and it's in travel, media, retail, um, health and beauty. So it's not just travel. So I sit on the travel advisory board and I work with those startup businesses to help them scale up. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've got quite a few things going on. And as you will know, I'm about to um, launch my podcast as well, which yeah. is a, sort of a, a side a side so, venture. So what's your podcast going to be called? It's going to be called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, Kevin. Ba- Brave, Bold, Brilliant. So look for that podcast coming out shortly <laughs> as well. Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Um, you, a lot of people listening are going to be, I meet people regularly and they go, I don't have time. I've got a full-time job. I don't have time for property. Um, and then I dig down and they're working 40 hours a week and they do actually have time. But yeah. you're clearly, you've got loads of going on. You're, you're like running loads of plates yeah. around, spinning them plates. Um, how do you keep them all, when you're spinning so many plates, how do you yeah. keep them all on the stick, I guess, working? Yeah. And what do you say to people who are listening in thinking, you know, I don't have time, that, that sort of mentality? What, what would your advice be to them? Well, I think, I think, you know, there are only 24 hours in a day and we have the same 24 hours, right? Yeah. Um, all of us, clearly. So I think you have to be very disciplined with your, with your schedule and your, and your day, actually, especially if you've got multiple things going on. So if you've got a job and you've got property, I would always recommend you allocate specific periods of time. You know, so for example, if you're in a full-time job, um, and let's say your normal day is nine to five, just yeah. for argument's sake. And during that nine to five, you're there to do the job that you're being paid to do. So that time is committed to that. And say you've got a family as well. So you've got family commitments, personal stuff going on. So it's not so easy in the evening to do things necessarily. But how about this? You know, you go in the office an hour earlier and you leave an hour later. So between eight and nine and five and six, Every day, you're spending it on your property business. That's what I used Two to do. Two hours a day. Oh, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, used to, I used to do that when I was working at Langerwork. Sorry if you're anybody from Langerwork's listening. Um, <laughs> I got better pay rises and bonuses when I started doing that because I was in before the boss and I was still there when he was going home. And the perception was I was busy working and doing extra, but actually I was doing mm. my own stuff. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So. And, you know, if you think on it, even just from a, a, fa- a normal day, and eight to mm. six is not a long day. It's really not. Mm. You know, you've created 10 hours. 10 hours, that's a, pretty much a mm. day and a half that you've created really with not that much effort. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think everyone's different. You need to think about what's the right schedule for you, um, but definitely allocate dedicated time. And yeah. you have to fiercely protect that time. Don't get distracted. You know, get rid of the phone, get rid of the social media yeah. during that time. Be really focused with what you're going to achieve during mm. those, two, you know, those slots that you allocate. I think the other thing that's helped me as well is, uh, and this is a trick from Rob Moore, uh, as around almost keeping a 21-day log yeah. of how you're spending your time. So if you find that you're sort of, you know, you are a bit all over the place. You're not being as productive as you'd like to be. You feel like it's one step forward, two steps back. Um, it's a really simple way. And mm. I did a post on this actually um, earlier this week. But 
essentially what you do, you, you get a blank sheet of paper and one sheet per day, stick the date at the top, and you literally write down one of the five columns, one that says time, one that says task, one that's a description of what you're doing, one that says energy, and one that says area. And you literally write down from the minute you get up to the minute you go to bed what you're just spending your time on. And then you identify whether that task was work. So if you put a little W against it, whether it's social or whether you were resting. And then you also think, okay, well, how was I feeling during that? You know, was I energized? Was I on fire or was I a bit lethargic? And you, you note down your energy level. And then, you know, you finally say, was this an income generating task? Was it a key result area or key life area? Or actually, was it just wasting time? Mm-hmm. And when you do that over a period of time, at the end of that three week period, you can then pick up some patterns and trends. Are you task jumping? Are you actually spending too much time on social media that's not actually with a purpose? Uh, and it really helps you match your most productive energy levels with the right time of day for you because everyone's different. So that's also very useful, I think, to do. Um, but you just have to be really, really disciplined mm. and just do one thing a day. I mean, what I do at the end of before I go to bed, I'll have a little think about what am I going to do tomorrow? What are the things that I really need to do? And I might pick maybe sometimes it might be one thing. Sometimes it might be two or three or whatever. I, I, st- I write them on a post-it note and I stick it on my laptop. Mm. So then when I get up in the morning, I know that those are things I need to do. And I have to be really disciplined not to get distracted because sometimes when you've got something to do that's almost like quite a big task or you're a bit daunted by it, you do everything you can to procrastinate. Yeah. All of a sudden, cleaning the kitchen floor looks attractive, you know, or whatever. And you just have to say, no, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to move on to the next thing until I finish yeah. that thing. Walk the dog six yeah. times a day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those simple tricks, I think, are really useful. Yeah. Um, For people yeah. listening in that have maybe heard of um, IGTs, like income generating tasks, KRAs, key yeah. results areas are um, key life, life areas, areas, KLAs. Yeah. And they're like, what are they? <laughs> Could you give an example of um, an income generating task, a key result area yeah. and a key life area of what would be for somebody who's thinking about planning their own. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, an income generating task is probably the obvious and easy one. So that is anything that earns you money. In It's sort of almost immediate earning money, if you like. So that could be a job. Or it could be that um, you managed to rent out a rental property that had been empty. So you know you're going to have rental income coming in from that activity that you've just done. Yeah, so that's the obvious one. Um, the key result area could be, I mean, it could be a whole range of things, but let's say your objective is to set up your property business. So, you know, that if you're spending effort and time on activity that's helping you set that up, you're not earning money from it yet, but it is a key result area because you know it will pay off later down the line. Um, and then a key life area, sometimes they're bigger, they're, they can be more important. So for me, a key life area is sort of my health and fitness, if you like. So if I don't train or run or do some form of exercise every day, I don't feel on my game. So for me, that's quite a key life area. Or it might be that you want to have some personal development. You might do some training just yeah. because you want to get into a new field. So those are just some examples that I, I would say. I don't know if you've got anything else that you no, would I'd add agree to with that, that, Kevin. I, I've got my our bedroom on the first floor of the house so I can go up and down the stairs for exercise every day. It works really well. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, do what, do what works, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, it's really important is, is key life area is time with family um Making sure that you don't let, you've got to allocate time to property, but spend time with your family, yeah. spend time with your friends, 
and spend time on your health. But don't, when you need to find time for property, take a little bit of that maybe, but not all of it. There would be time in your day that you're wasting. Yeah. When I mentioned about coming into work, and you, you, Jeanette mentioned initially, coming into work an hour earlier and then going home an hour later, and you're doing that. You're still doing your job. You're not eating into job time. You're still implementing your job, and you're still doing the same level of work you did for your company. So you're not like um, going to work as a fraud and, and, using, and getting paid for stuff you're not doing. You still do your job. But there's so much wasted time you have at a job as well. For not everybody, but a lot of people waste hours in the middle of the day. Yeah, like absolutely. Surfing the internet when you could be surfing right move on the internet but not for too long again because it's wasted time yeah so yeah. that 21 day log can really help you i think with with sorting out that time availability in your life yeah yeah and i think there's there's um there's a great book actually called uh, the power of now which yeah. is by a chap called eckhart told the parts of it that kind of get a little bit spiritual so that might not necessarily so that came out really there. quick the power of now by eckhart toll Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart, it's a funny name, right? But but this book, essentially, what it what it focuses on is around the importance of kind of being in the moment and being really focused. So if you are with family as a key life area, you are with your family. Do not be sitting there on your phone answering messages. Be in the moment. If you're focused on the couple of hours a day that you've allocated for your property business. Be focused on your property business. So it's sort of, it's a really great book. So it's not a, not a big book to read, but it also is quite um, powerful, I think, because it says if you're in a situation where you don't like something or something isn't going too well for you, you only ever have three choices. And that could be in business, in life, career, whatever, relationship. You either try and change it, okay, and, and if that doesn't work, or you accept it for what it is and stop moaning about it and get on with it, or you get out. And I and it's simple. It doesn't matter whether it's a relationship, yeah. job, business, anything. And I think that's quite helpful because maybe for people that are trying to make a transition out of a career or into a new starting a new business, or they're not happy with their job and they've hated it for years. You either change it, get out, or or yeah, accept, accept it. it. You know, and that book also covers that side of things yeah. as well, doesn't it, Kevin? That's Which is really, quite useful. Really helpful advice for everyone. Um, <laughs> for, so you've obviously it's now two years, say, since you initially found Progressive. Yeah. Do you think you'd be where you are in your property business had you not done the Robin Mark mentorship? Not for a second. Not for a second. We would have, and actually it was interesting because we were driving here today and we were having a conversation in the car about how there are pivotal moments, aren't there, in your life, actually. And and it sounds quite grand when you say that, but definitely our decision at the point that we made it to go for the VIP. And whether it's Robert, I mean, we we, we went all in, we went mm. Robert Mark, but there are all the other mentors are amazing as well. So, but just that decision alone has absolutely catapulted us to, to where we are now. And, and not just where we are now, where we see ourselves going. Mm. And of course, there's the property side, but it's so much more than that. You know, would I be start launching my podcast if I didn't have the encouragement and support of Rob, yep. absolutely not a chance, not a chance. Would I be out there on social media and how that's helping me grow my personal brand? Never. You know, so it's not just the hard kind of technical aspect. I think it's the people you spend time with, 
you know, just opening your mind to other opportunities. So, no, I mean, it's not just the property for us. It's the whole thing that has been really uh, life-changing, actually. For people listening that sit, that, are think, that hear a lot, and I used to think a lot when I started my journey, why is social media, you're, you're doing property, what's social media got to do with it? Um, why do you need to be on social media? I just want to focus on doing my property. Um, how important is social media to your property business? Oh, it's massive. I mean, it is just so important. One, because it, if you're out there, sometimes you could be the best kept secret. And social media, of course, you can pay for to, you know, ads, etc. But essentially, it's free marketing, mm. really. Does it take time and effort? Yes, of course it does. You have to think about content. Yes, you do. But actually, you can weave it into your day quite, quite nice. And again, there's a, pin, a point about being disciplined. Mm. But by being out there on social media, and, and I do more of that than, than Chris. He's, he's more sort of reticent, to be honest. So I'm sort of, I'm the gobby one that's out there. But what it's ended up doing, one, it's established us with credibility. Two, you can genuinely help people mm. by, you know, I always think about, can I share something, an experience or some tips that would be useful mm. for someone else? I genuinely, genuinely want to help other people and it allows you to do that. Yeah. But also, you know, it allows you to um, attract investors. You know, we have people that have approached us that have said, oh, you know, we really like the idea of getting into property. Can you help us? Could we invest with you? People that I would never have had yeah. the chance to reach before. Um, equally, if you're looking for uh, resources for your team or recommendations, you can get all that through social media. It is so powerful. And, and I think as well, there's, there's a piece around um, being consistent and not sort of being doing loads and then doing nothing. You need to be visible on a regular basis. And it's better to almost do less but do it consistently yeah. than do loads and then stop or, or kind of get sick of it. So massively important. And it, and it genuinely helps people. And I think that's the nice thing about it. Awesome. So we're coming towards the end. Um, what would you say is sort of, for people listening in who are at the beginning of their journey, uh, thinking about getting into property, or maybe they've started and they've got a little bit stuck, mm. what would you give us, said your top three sort of bits of advice to them? Well, I think the first thing is don't, don't procrastinate. Get on and, and make a first step. You know, any any venture, any journey starts with a first step. So don't kid yourself that you're 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 making progress. Just you can read and research and do all of that good stuff, but ultimately you have to do something. <laughs> so that's the first yeah. thing. Make a start. Um, and don't worry about it all being perfect because you're, you've made a start and it will come together. I think the second thing I would say is get out networking you know you need to be meeting like-minded people that will lift you up that will support encourage and generally i find the world of property i mean progressive in particular but generally property people are honestly really helpful yeah. with no particular gain for themselves it's not like that in the corporate world people will sell their grandmother to like get a promotion yeah. over and above you seriously it was quite a shock when i first got into all of this i thought god what are these people after you know yeah. and they're not they're, not, they're yeah. just genuinely helping yeah. you so definitely the networking and i think the third thing i would say is um Kind of know your numbers as well. I think, I think being, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a really highfalutin profit and loss account and this, that, and the other, but you just need a very simple plan yeah. um, that's got some numbers in that just will help guide you through in terms of what you're trying yeah. to achieve. And that could just be for the first year or it could be longer term, but have, have, you know, have a little bit, you need to have a sense of your numbers, I think. That's brilliant. Cheers. Thank you. So guys, you've been listening to Jeanette Linfoot. What an awesome interview. So 
The Progressive Property Podcast, remember we're on iTunes and Stitcher. It's out every Tuesday from 7 p.m. Make sure you subscribe. Also make sure you check out the Progressive Property YouTube channel. And we've got a whole community of people like Jeanette. The Progressive Property Facebook community has got over 30,000 people just like her, none like her, 29,999 others (laughs) in there that can help you on your property journey. 